Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week I sit down with character designer Steven DeStefano. During this chat, we'll chat the final season of Samurai Jack and how Steven got to work on the amazing conclusion of Jack. We'll also talk about his work on Primal and my favorite episode of that series, The Red Mist. We're also going to get really nerdy when it comes to comic books and we're going to talk about Steven's work at DC Comics. Before we roll into the show, if you guys haven't yet, head over to our Patreon channel and sign up for one of our three tiers. We're like Sierra, we're offering a lot of goodies over on the Patreon channel and it helps support the show. We've got a lot of cool things coming down the road and we would love it if you would join us on this journey. Now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's My Head Podcast. I'm here with Julian today I'm joined by Steven. Steven, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Oh, I'm well. Thank you, Julian. Thanks for, thanks for having me. This is awesome. It's really, really oh. cool to get to speak to you. Oh, man, uh, it's even cooler to speak to you, man. Uh, so if there's anything I've learned by looking over your resume and just watching some of the animatics that people put up of stuff that you did from storyboards to character designs and seeing some of the stuff you did, you got to work on two of my favorite shows of all time. One being Samurai Jack's final season, the other one being Primal. Um, dealer's Choice, man, where do you want to start? You want to start in Samurai Jack? You want to start in Primal? Yeah, let's let's start with Samurai Jack, because uh, because uh, that came first. Um, you know, uh, Gendy won't remember this, but um, that's Samurai Jack. I was supposed to. My friend, who my departed friend, my my the late Chris Riccardi, um, was a storyboard artist on uh, probably the first season of Samurai Jack, and I think by the second season or something like that, they he needed a partner. Like they lost a storyboard artist, and I was. You know, I know Chris from Los Angeles, but I was I moved back to New York where I grew up and, and he called me and he's like, they, we need to, you know, do you want to be my partner? And so I think I got a call from the producer, too. And I was like, shit, you know, I'm working on this other show, but like I'll be available, you know, in two in a month or two months mm-hmm. or something. And then, you know, I was really jazzed because I thought like, well, that's a cool show. You know, that's really awesome. and be cool to work with Chris, even though I'm 3000 miles away. But um, but like a month went by and then like i contacted the producer and she was like oh well we filled that position um i was like oh fuck so you know um you know and i, I bought them cookies and everything i, I sent a tray of cookies to, to like, the production yeah and i was really i was really bummed but i was so but you know what? Aaron Springer, the great Aaron Springer, was ended up being Chris's uh, partner, uh, storyboarding partner on that. And Aaron was probably going to do it 100 times better than I ever would anyway. So that's my first brush with Samurai Jack. Um, and then cut to like whatever it was. How long? How much? How many years later was it? And he finished it in the last season. Like 12, it was like 10 years or something. Yeah, it's like 12, 13 years, I think, because I think it started in 2017. I think it's when it wrapped up. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, and yeah, I think yeah, it's. Yeah. It, that, I know it started in two thousand one, and it went two thousand four. I believe the original run. So, yeah, okay. about twelve, thirteen okay. years after. Okay, that makes sense. Um, by that time, I'd worked for Gendy, um, a couple times. Uh, uh, I, you know, Gendy really seemed to uh, go crazy over Dexter's Lab comic mm-hmm. comic book I did for DC. He he, he loved that. Um, he still talks about it to this day for whatever reason. And so he always remembered me. And after that, um, he called me to do storyboard cleanups on something called Unicorn, which another 15 years later is is going to premiere on May 4th. 
um, on HBO uh, and Max and Adult Swim, Cartoon Network. So, and then uh, I cleaned up that storyboard. And then he said that there was another thing that he was doing that that got greenlit. That was Symbionic Titan. He needed a he needed a, a character designer. I ended up being the sole character designer on that. And then after that, like, what the hell did we do? Now I'm now I'm losing it. Anyway, um, I think you know I was between things and I needed something to do. And he's like, Gendy's always like, well, I'll give you something to do. And, um, you know, he wanted storyboard cleanups. He wanted me to do his storyboard cleanups for uh, the last several episodes. And so I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. And so I came in and, you know, Gendy, his, uh, his board, his boards are really ambitious. You know, mm-hmm. he loves a cast of thousands. And so I just remember drawing like, thousands and thousands of grunge soldiers like marching over a hill um i don't know if you remember that scene because i i remember it because you know it killed my soul and um and you know and i got to do a lot of i you know a lot of cool fight scenes and stuff uh um but um oh yeah hotel transylvania that came that came after Mm -hmm. symbiotic titan anyway so um so yeah, so I did I did a lot of story I did a lot of storyboard cleanups for him. And then at one point, um he needed uh I don't know where his background designer was, but he needed he needed some backgrounds designed for uh an episode. Um I remember I got to design a futuristic toilet, which was pretty cool. Um but you know, designing backgrounds, you know, I that was my first job in animation back at, at Spumco uh on Ren and Simpy. Um Spunko and then games, which turned into Nickelodeon. Um, so I love backgrounds. I mean, I love to design backgrounds. They're they're uh, you know they're a challenge. They're really interesting. And so Gandhi said, you know, can you design some backgrounds for this episode? And and the other thing is too is like the backgrounds uh, for uh, back. Gandhi always has some of the best backgrounds in the business, and Absolutely. part of that is because he hires good design background designers. But mostly, not to knock them, but mostly it's because his production designer painter. Colored stylist Scott Wills, who I also know from uh, Nickelodeon games, uh, Ren and Stimpy. Um, Scott's just a monster. Scott's yes. phenomenal. Scott's just phenomenal, and and Scott is like Gendy's right arm, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he has a couple of other left arms, but um, I think I'm a finger on the left arm. But um, but you know, I mean, it was great. It was really cool because I knew I know how Scott works, and like if I. If I fuck something up, Scott's gonna just still make it look like amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I designed like a, a, a war room. I designed like a, a couple of scary hallways. It was fun, but it was also really daunting. It'd been a long, long time since I designed any backgrounds, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, I kind of choked because I remember like taking a long time to, time to do yeah. them. And, you know, Gendy's a pretty patient dude, but I remember him getting a little bit like, why are these taking so long? And I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell him because I was just, I was really, I was scared shitless. It was, um, it just wasn't coming out of me. Uh, you know, if it, if it's like a Ren and Stimpy background, I could probably, I can, I can, I can, you know, pull out the stops on that. I can get that done ASAP, but to design something that like, uh seems should have real perspective and real weight and stuff like that that was that was daunting to me and mm-hmm. it's science fiction stuff and i don't usually do that but i can it'll just take me a long time so um so yeah so i eventually i got them done and they looked okay and then scott made them look amazing because that's fucking scott wills for you 
Um, but um, yeah, so um, and yeah, I think I can't. I just can't remember. But I think I I I um, cleaned up the storyboard for the last episode. I remember some pretty cool stuff, but not a whole bunch. Um, a lot of it is just kind of. I remember like you know, the futuristic toilet and the thousands and thousands of crowds coming over the hill. But otherwise, um, a lot of it just kind of didn't stay in my head. Um, of course, I love Gendy. Um, I hope that comes through in the whole thing. Absolutely, Cause, man. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, he'll fucking kill me unless <laughs> if, uh, he thinks I don't love him. So, but yeah, it was great. It was, it was great. It was a great thrill. Um to work to finally work uh on what was like you know my 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 privilege my right you know i, I was supposed to like work on samurai jack and i finally got 10 years 12 years 14 years whatever the hell it was i finally got to work on it that was that was pretty cool it was pretty cool you must have sent some really shitty cookies you know what i mean what kind of cookies no, did you man, send i'm telling you no 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 they were <laughs> they were like good like they were good italian uh italian um bakery new york brooklyn italian bakery shit yeah it was really good i you know they told me they were really impressed with the cookies i guess they just weren't that impressed with like me as an artist back then so you know i i can understand you know you know i i i'd kill for a good cookie but i'm not sure i'd give a kill for a good cartoonist so oh man uh there's 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 something something special to say about a really good cookie, man. My go-to is uh, chocolate chip peanut butter cookies. I'm a okay. sucker for anything peanut butter. And then uh, my mom would make them and she would make these like super fat, thick cookies. And you could probably okay. get like one or two before you get the beatus and want to fall over. But if you take that uh-huh. and I'm, it's, it's, you're going to get beatus by eating the way I'm going to tell you to eat it, get that, let them cool a little bit in the fridge so they're a little hard. And you get vanilla ice cream, put them in the middle, push it together and then wrap it and freeze yeah. it. That way you get an ice cream sandwich. And oh man, you sleep no, really no, no, great no, no. when you get that sugar rush. Let's don't let's don't talk about cookies now because now I'm gonna want one and then that's not cool. That's that's really not cool. Let's I've let's stay a, off of cookies. <laughs> I've got a bag of them and I've got THC running through my veins, so I'm gonna get the munchies real good when I get off of this one. Oh, um wow. yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a great night. Um so oh, getting wow. back to 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 Samurai Jack. Now you, you said a couple things that I wanted to circle back to. One being uh, the late great Chris Riccardi. Now I've gotten the chance to hear stories uh, of Chris, um, you know, by talking to I think the first couple ones I'm probably heard on on Randy, and then Robert has told me some, and then I've gotten the I've gotten very lucky to talk to a lot of folks that have worked with Samurai Jack, that's worked with Gendy, uh, worked on yeah. Samurai Jack, worked with Gendy, and other various projects, and that crew is very tight knit, like you said, Scott Wills. In my opinion, it's like he's top of the mountain when it comes to what he does. I mean, it's very hard for me to, to put anybody else in his league because the the thing that I found so breathtaking about Jack was the backgrounds. It did not yeah. follow any other show. You would have mountainscapes, you would have ice, you would have underwater, you would have futuristic, you would have uh, this Mad Max level shit, you know, it, and it was each episode was different. And sometimes you would have four or five different areas or four or five different worlds essentially that scott would build with his team in an episode of samurai jack so it's just it just goes to the credit to show you like when gendy finds people he works with and he keeps them close it's just everybody that i've ever seen that worked on these shows were true masters of their craft i mean like i said it's second to none the folks that have worked on jack that worked on primal that worked on dexter you know so you guys 
my hat's tipping to, to, to you guys that got to work on these beautiful shows. Um, thank you for, Oh, thank you. Um, but I wanted to circle back to Chris Riccardi for just a second, man. Yeah. Uh, cause he's got probably yeah. one of my favorite episodes of Samurai Jack. And that was from the, it was probably the first or second season. I can't remember. might've been three. I think it was season three, excuse me. Chicken Jack, right. It's when Jack gets turned into a chicken and then he has to okay. go through the whole episode. He's fighting as a chicken and all this other shit. It's just so fun. It's so whimsical. I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking, Oh, this is really fun. And then seeing it as an adult, I'm like, dude, this is even more fun than I remember as a kid. And he, that was his episode. Uh, so do you have a favorite story, a favorite interaction? Maybe just, uh, when you think of Chris Riccardi, man, what do you think about? Oh, lots and lots of, lots of things come flooding yeah. into my brain. <laughs> the first thing, the first thing, the best, the best compliment, uh, that I ever got, I think probably not, but, um, it was, it was i knew i had arrived when chris said this to me i was you know i was when i arrived at ren and stimpy i couldn't i didn't know shit from shinola really and um i didn't know how to draw and i was learning and um you know and i learned by looking at chris's work chris was accessible to me some of the other people like you know i could never draw like john grifalusi but uh you know chris's stuff made sense to me and i thought that's the guy to shoot for and you know um as i you know as i learned and learned and learned it's probably seat in season three i think when i i started boarding um and no it might have been season four because uh season three i sucked but season four i remember chris coming into my you know we used to do like we what they called rifling you know you'd walk into you'd you'd walk into your office and you'd find somebody looking for your papers um Mm. because they wanted to see what you were doing um and it wasn't like offensive as most business places it would be it'd be like oh you're looking at my stuff um and one day i walked into my office and there was chris rifling my stuff and um you know, he just kind of walked past me and he said, he said, when did you get so good? Um, and he and then he uh, exited the room. And I thought, oh, I think I've made it. That's pretty good. That's like that's that's quite a compliment from from Chris. So um, so that's the first thing. Uh, here's my cat's tail. probably. Um, and uh, what else? You know, Chris. There was an episode of Ren and Stimpy that had Santa Claus in it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Chris would just, the, one of the line, one of the lines was uh, someone touches Santa Claus's butt, like, and Santa Claus goes, ho, ho, ho. And <laughs> like, Chris would just say that continuously, which really reminded me, like, my brother would do that. I guess that, mm-hmm. that must have resonated. I didn't think about that, that at the time, but my brother would just like repeat lines endlessly um yeah so chris was doing that he also had another line uh it was a uh, it was he was imitating some cab driver he met somewhere along the way and he would uh, the line was you are the son of my bitch um he would say that continuously um chris chris was a hoot but um yeah i there there are other things but um you know chris is just uh he was, uh, he was a good guy um, and he was one of he was absolutely one of my favorite artists. You know, I, I just learned uh, so much uh, from Chris. Um, you know, and mostly just by looking at his work. I mean, he 
he'd tell you what he was doing and and why he thought something was better. But mostly I just, I absorbed it by, you know, looking, just pouring over his work mm -hmm. uh, continuously. He was, and I, I mean, I, I think I said this when he passed, you know, I, um, there's not a day goes by. I don't think, I don't think what would Chris Riccardi do? Uh, yeah. Cause you know, Chris was a great, great cartoonist. He would just cut through all the, all the bullshit and he would get through to the most solid uh, form of what the cartoon character would be. And, and as a person, Chris, you know, Chris had a really hard exterior seemingly. Um, but um, he, he didn't seem uh, accessible or vulnerable, at least to mm -hmm. me for the first couple of years of knowing him. But I, but, but after a while, I, I just got to know him as a really, really sensitive and sweet guy. And you know, I, I just loved, how, you know, as a human being, he just always wanted to better to keep bettering himself. And I thought that was really amazing. I thought that was really, really admirable. Um, and, you know, Chris, I got I got close with uh, uh, Chris's wife, my uh, dear friend, Lynn Naylor. And mm -hmm. that was I got to work with Lynn, which was amazing. I learned so much from Lynn. Um, so, you know, I really got to be friends with them um and you know it's it's it sucks that i can't talk yeah. to chris anymore but um but like i said i mean there's i, I probably think about him if not every day at, at least once a week once or twice a week hey guys it's your resident cartoon junkie brandon jones here asking you to have a listen to my animation destination podcast it's an animation celebration podcast and it's full of all sorts of stuff about anime and cartoons and voice acting and all that sort of thing and just a really all-around celebration of anything animated so come on by and check it out we've got fan episodes of your favorite animes to your most obscure cartoons on netflix that no one's ever heard of and just really love talking about it. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere else you can get your podcast from. So stop on by, subscribe, and stay tuned for the Animation Destination Podcast. So, uh, yeah. everybody that's listening, you never got to meet Chris. I'm really sorry for you. you yeah, missed out. I mean, the the it's it just goes to show you, man. It, it's these ladies and gentlemen. These folks like Stephen, I'm talking to, you don't know when it's your time to go. Nobody does. Uh, you know, we've all got a, an end date. And um, this is what, like I told you before we started this podcast, this is why I do this podcast, because you never know when somebody that influenced you is no longer going to be here. So I always say, take the chance to tell everybody. You hear it all the time. Don't meet your heroes, right? Because they can never live up to your expectations. I'm going to tell you right now, with the exception of one person, I'll tell you off air. Um, if you'd like one comic book artist and maybe he was just having a bad day uh, from doing yeah. anything like this. I've, you know, I've met every, almost every hero that I've ever had and they've all been great. They've all been gracious. You know, they've all gave me a little bit of their time, but they didn't have to, you know, they all answered my stupid fucking questions, um, yeah. you know, and they didn't treat me like an idiot. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, meet your heroes and tell them what you think about them. Cause one of these days, we're no longer going to be here. And I, I I, know I appreciate it when people reach out to me and they they say, oh, I really like your show. It's really fun. You know, I listen to it when I work or, uh, you know, I, I didn't think about because depression comes up all the time on this one because I, I went through it a lot. You know, I've had friends that are no longer here because 
they made that choice that is you can't turn back from that choice, that suicidal choice, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it's mm -hmm. come up on multiple occasions with a lot of my guests, you know, and we've dived deep into that. And I've had multiple messages where people said, Hey man, that kind of saved my life because I heard that when I was in a real dark spot. And if it would have been for that, I probably wouldn't have been here. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for those comments. It, it means a lot. So like I said, if you got, uh, if you're a fan of anybody out there, make sure you try to tell them what they meant to you and, uh, what they did to help you out. Cause I guarantee it'll be a bright spot in that person's day. Um, you know, so thank you for being vulnerable right. and thank you for uh, sharing those stories about Chris, man. Cause like I said, uh, mm -hmm. him and, and Tuck Tucker, two people that I always hear about uh, larger than life characters, um, you know, fantastic, uh, excellent mastercrafts at, at what they do. Um, you know, so anytime we can sit here and uh, get a peek behind the curtain and, and really understand uh, your friends, I really appreciate when you guys can be a little bit vulnerable with me. Uh, so moving yeah. on to, you know, our uh, our next topic, man, uh, Samurai Jack, before we get off that one, uh, beautiful ending. I told you this before, uh, before we hit record, uh, that final scene in there where the ladybug that is essentially Ashi uh, ushering Jack to move on with his life. Gets me in the feels every single time. So that show, us fans waited so long to see the wrap up of that show, like most people did within the animation industry. I, you guys are just as big fans as we are at home that don't work in the industry. Uh, but getting to see that, getting to see Gendy, um, you know, because I didn't understand what was happening, like why all of my favorite creators were no longer at Cartoon Network. You know, Gendy left. Uh, you know, Craig was leaving. Van Partible had left already, John Dilworth. So like all of these folks that kind of fostered and and created my childhood were no longer at the Cartoon Network. They were no longer at the channel that I sat in front of for countless hours. Just I'm probably drooling. I've probably got Cheeto dust on my fingers and my and my little chin at that time, you know, just watching the cartoons go by. So, you know, when we start seeing all of these folks leave, especially for me, I was like, why? Well, that's not how Jack's supposed to end. Jack didn't get back to his family what what is going on so like as a little kid you know i'm seeing this shit i'm just go man what the fuck man you know so getting to see him wrap that up and then i get to see it in a different perspective because i'm an adult i have kids mm -hmm. now and getting to see this it meant so bless you it meant so much more seeing this as an adult and it felt like i watched it for the first time you know watching that entire series again watching the final season um it felt like i watched it with brand new eyes because i was looking at it from a more grizzled person you know i'd been through some shit i'd had some perspective i'd seen some shit i'd done some shit you know i've done some yeah. good things i did some bad things so getting to see all of that wrapped up and getting to see gendy come back home essentially to where his career started and blew up and where i found gendy you know i thought it was very yeah. special and like i said that that final moment in that scene it doesn't matter where i'm at doesn't matter if you know it doesn't matter what's going on i see that scene the waterworks start man so like i said hats off to you guys because you guys absolutely crushed that last season um well, so thank I you mean, for that you know well uh, definitely you got to talk to gendy someday i mean you got to tell him that he likes you know, one, day I, to, uh, one day I hope to one day i hope to have him on yeah yeah like you know it's amazing too because like gendy doesn't he never he never lets anything go. He never forgets mm -hmm. anything. He always like he always remembers his plans and and you know like you know primal was I I first saw primal uh sketches for primal like 8 years ago or something mm -hmm. like that. It looked it looked totally different, but and I was like, you know, and I knew by that point like Gendy has these ideas that he's never going to let go that even if we're not working on it right now, 
well, someday, you know, he's going to work on it. And then, yeah. and then eventually we did. And Here it looks are. completely different now. <laughs> it looks completely different now than it did back then. Um, but it's still pretty, that was pretty cool back then, but it's, it's cool now too. Boy, oh boy, is it, man. Uh, I was, I was not expecting. So I, I don't know who I had this talk with because a lot of these conversations, I mean, I've, I've got like almost a hundred and. 140 150 episodes worth you know i've only got about 127 give or take out um but i've, I've had 140 150 chats with people and a little bit more because i lost about five of those chats um so okay. you know sadly it's you know i'll never get those ones back my laptop was stolen back in the day um oh, so shit. if you're watching that out there person that stole my laptop release those five episodes so i can see how shitty i looked three years ago um and how shitty i sounded but uh you know oh. so <laughs> Uh, watching this show, I was just blown away, you know, I mean, primal, you, you watch this show, it comes out and it is no, no, no dialogue is uttered whatsoever until I think the last episode. So you go, what is it? 12 episodes? I think in the first season, 10 episodes, somewhere around that range. Right. Um, I'm horrible with, with fucking descriptions as far as the titles go for episodes. I'm horrible with how many episodes are in it, you know? Um, like we Me talked too. about, I can't remember what we did last week, let alone what you guys worked on 10, 15, 20, even two years ago. Um, but that, that first season when you're walking through the entire show and I'm watching this and most of the time I have to do other things while I'm watching shit. Very rarely do I get to like sit in one spot for more than 20, 30 minutes, you know, unless I'm doing this once a week, uh, and watch something because I usually got to cook. I usually got to clean. I'm usually doing something with the kids. So I got to be able to hear it and watch it. Primal was the first show that forced me to sit down. Samurai Jack was the same as well, but I was a little kid. I didn't really have priorities back then when Samurai Jack came out. Um, you know, so, but Primal, I remember sitting down there and watching the first episode, you know, getting up and to go do some stuff. And then I come back, I'm like, where the fuck are we? I, I've lost, like, why, what's going on? I was like, you know what, let me rewind. Let me just sit down. I turned my phone off for 30 minutes. I watched the show and I'm blown the fuck away that there's not one piece of dialogue uttered in that entire series. Like I said, until the last few minutes, few moments of the, the season. And yeah. I'm on the edge of my seat the entire time. So I got to yeah. know. Yeah, that, that 30 minutes goes pretty quickly, doesn't it? It's like, it just that kind of breezes by. Because like, it's so... You know, it's so hard pounding and, and fast paced. It's like, you know, it's it's just, you know, uh, it just goes right into you. It's yeah, pretty, and it's, it's it's pretty, pretty amazing. It's pure perfection on the screen when I saw this. Now, uh, I've, I've always been curious. You, you obviously said that, you know, you'd saw the, you know, some sketches or some boards of Primal eight, nine years ago. Um, and you said it was completely different. Now, can you one? Can you paint a picture on how different it is, or maybe if you can, if you can remember? Uh, but the other, yeah. uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask as well: um, Did you have to do? Obviously, you'd work with Gendy before um, on quite a few occasions, but do you have to do any kind of pencil test or anything like that? I know you sent cookies the first time. I don't know if you sent maybe donuts the second time, and maybe that's how you got on, or you know. yeah, no. I mean, with Gendy, the you know the 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 um, the Dexter's Lab comic book that I drew that was that was like kind of my test reel or or you know or or you know test run for gandhi that was like my portfolio showing to gandhi and then after that and you know gandhi's um you know he's he's uh he's great he's really he he's a great judge of talent you know um 
it it drives me nuts when um, so many studios, uh, you know, my first job in animation was just like, I just showed my portfolio and I got a job. And then it wasn't, and it wasn't until much later, I realized like, no places like to test you. And then, and then you, you might get the job. And I always thought that was kind of a cowardly way out because if you look at somebody's, if you look at somebody's portfolio, you should be able to judge. Like, yes. you know, when I, I was, I was the art director on, on the Venture Brothers and I saw, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, he was a kid then, he was fresh out of his school of visual arts uh, here in New York, uh, Danny Hines. And I was like, and he did like these, these squiggles and, and like circles and shit. And I was like, this guy's good. And everybody was like, well, it's just squiggles and circles. And I was like, no, 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 he gets it. So, and that's what Gendy saw. Like he, he knew like, you know, I got it and that I could do it. And then right off the bat, he just asked me to start like designing characters for him. So, um, so yeah. So, you know, Gendy to this day, he, he trolls, (laughs) he, he, he looks for talent via Instagram. Like he just kind of goes through Instagram. He's like, Oh shit, that's really cool. That's how he found the animation studio for La Cachette, um, yeah. for for Primal and and just now uh, Unicorn. They, you know, he liked their real. He liked what they did. He's like, you know, I think I could work with these people. Or you know, he finds other artists and he's like, yeah, and he just like he goes with it. You know, he has a, he has a gut feeling and then he just goes with it, which I really totally appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's great. I mean, that's why Gen- that's why Gandhi's so great to work for because he really loves artists. He loves yeah. the art. Um, he'll tell you that he's a he's a he's a lousy draftsman, and that he needs he needs you know help from guys like me and Scott Wills and and you know others and and you know, I know what he means. He just me- he just means for someone to sort of organize his stuff a little mm-hmm. bit to to straighten it out a little bit. But great, Gendy is a, a killer. He's a killer cartoonist. He's really really yeah. good. Um, and there's a couple of things in my experience with Gendy that Gendy always kind of there's there's like uh, um, uh, there's like artists that he's always thinking about in his head. Um, one of them is Jack Kirby. Uh, who else? Um, you know, sometimes it surprises me. It's like Walt Simonson or or John Byrne or something like that. I'm like, um, I kind of get it. You know, he and I grew up in a similar time frame, so I get it. I get a lot of his references, but um, but one of the go tos, at least he goes to me for some reason, is uh, Asama Tezuka, uh, the creator of the Mighty Adam, Astro Boy, mm-hmm. um, Kimba the White Lion, all these other classic, uh, amazing uh, anime and um, and manga, uh, classic Japanese manga, the god, the god of Japanese comics, and um, Gendi loves Tezuka, and um, I've designed several things now that are Tezuka based, um, and they always morph, they always change into something else. But that's what um, that's what Primal looked like originally. Primal Primal was supposed to be kind of um, like. Uh, a te- he was like a Tezuka caveman. Yeah. He was very cartoony. He, you know, kind of had Popeye arms. He still does, but not really. Now he's more anatomically, uh, slightly more anatomically correct, so to speak. And um, so he's just, he was just very, very cartoony. Um, and I don't know, uh, he didn't show me any boards for that back then. I, I only saw drawings. Um, and I never saw a drawing. I didn't even know like Fang was going to be in it. I didn't even know it was dinosaur was going to be in it. Um, yeah. so, but, um, he, he gave me all these drawings of this very cartoony caveman 
and I started doing some, I should find those. I mean, I might've like posted them on social media a long time ago, but anyway, um, yeah. So that's how it looked. And then, you know, eight years later or whatever it was, six, maybe it wasn't that long for Gundy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when he said primal's happening, you know, and I said, I like went back to this, um, you know, this Tezuka caveman and he's like, no, no, that's not what we're doing. Oh, it was, I know what he wanted. He sort of had Mike Mignola in mind a lot. Ooh, Mike Hellboy. Mignola, creator of, creator of Hellboy. Yeah. And um, so I did a lot of, I told Mike that. Um, God, that's you know, such a great uh, fucking pull. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I told Mike that like, you know, we're sort of, I'm trying to sort of do you when I'm doing this mm-hmm. and I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? And he's like, well, you just draw everything that's there and then whatever you don't need, you pull out which is great advice and uh, drawing advice. And I can never follow it because I, I have diarrhea of the hand, but, um, and Mike doesn't cause Mike's a master at that shit. But um, yeah. So, so, you know, whatever from Tezuka to Mignola, the, the character had uh, spirit changed an awful lot. Um, um, but you know, it, it, this is Gendi's evolution. This is how stuff kind of forms in his head. And you know, I'm just, I'm happy to go wherever he wants. It's like, all right, sure, fine. Let's do, that's cool. Let's do, let's do Mignola now. Uh, you want to do Tezuka? We'll do that. You want to do Fleischer Brothers Popeye? We'll do that. Um, you know, Gendi has his team um, for like really beautiful from Disney to like Hanna-Barbera style characters for Gendi. He'll go to Craig Kelman. That's Mm-hmm. that's that's gendy's go-to for like funny stuff and you know for and for whatever reason gendy thinks i'm a superhero guy yeah. and uh, and no superhero guys think i'm a superhero guy so i'm not really sure what gendy's <laughs> seeing except that you know i read the x-men when i was a kid so i know what he's talking about when he's like yeah this should be like phoenix when she died yeah 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 that's cool um so yeah so i'm i'm you know craig gets all the funny stuff and I get all uh, the action adventure stuff from Gendy for whatever reason. Although Craig is designed, he designed, you know, on Jack. the original Samurai Jack too. Yep. So um, that was a much more cartoony show, but you know, he's, that's still a lot of action adventure. So, um, but uh, yeah, anyway, so that's, that's the way Gendy thinks. <laughs> that's, uh... And like I said, I'm happy, whatever, whatever he wants to do is cool. So there's a, uh... A couple things I want to circle back to, man. Who's your favorite X-Men? Oh, uh, well, you know, when I was a kid, you know, Wolverine just looked so cool. Yeah. Um, and now, uh, I don't know. You know, I, um, it could be the Beast or, because I like the Beast because he was blue and he was an Avenger mm-hmm. too. I thought that was cool. Um, but, you know, for X-Men, pure X-Men, I think it's probably Cyclops because yeah. I feel bad for Cyclops because Cyclops seems to be like the forgotten stepsister or something. He's he's like the serious one that nobody really, you know, thinks is sexy and, mm-hmm. you know, he's so dutiful and like he's, he's all the Boy serious. And, yeah. And like he's he's trying to hold it all together. Mm-hmm. And nobody appreciates him, I think. There was just like, ah, Wolverine's so cool, man. And it's like, I don't know. You know, Cyclops is cool. I mean, I, if I could shoot red beams out of my eyes, I think I would be pretty badass, I think. All right. So it uh, might be, you know, he's just, he's the pure, he's the only, he's the X Men, you know, other yeah. than Professor X. I mean, everybody else in there has been something else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's only an X Men, so I think he's great. <laughs> well, so with Cyclops, I, I never I have never liked Cyclops because he's because he's got the Superman complex, right? He's the Boy Scout. He's never going to do anything wrong until about a decade ago when they did X-Men versus the Avengers. Did you ever get a chance to read this 12-part series? Mm -mm. So the Phoenix Force essentially comes back. I didn't think... Did you think that we were going to talk comics and be this nerdy when you said, hey, I'd love to come on your show? I'm I'm ready for anything. I'm always prepared. (laughs) Always ready. That's what they used to make us say when I was in the Navy. They'd ask you, are you ready? And you all... If you did not say, always ready, they would literally make you do push-ups until you vomited. So uh, whenever I hear always ready, I get... Oh, Vietnam level flashbacks, even though I wasn't. I, I'm prepared to talk about the X Men <laughs> as much as you like, but I'm not gonna. I I've done my push-ups for the day. I'm not doing any push-ups. So, but um, uh, man, I can't believe you don't. You're not. You're not into. You're not into the Cyclops. That's really. Well, I get it. I mean, I'm not either. But, you know, he's the boring one. Well, what did he do in Avengers versus X Men? Well, Colossus has always been my favorite X Men. I I love. There's he's something great. about him. Yeah, he's just so cool looking too. That that silver that silver esque. I don't even know what that color really. I'm pretty sure it's silver. Um, you know, it's such yeah. a cool looking concept. Um, and he had a cool ass accent. When I thought when I was a little kid, I'm like, dude, he sounds different than other than Gambit. Gambit had an accent, and you know, my, now I'm saying only these three. But Rogue had an accent too. Everybody had an accent. But uh, he just seems so different than everybody. But uh, what I loved about X Men versus the Avengers is the Phoenix Force comes back, and instead of it hitting Gene, it hits. Um, it hit Cyclops, it hit Magneto, it hit uh, Mar- uh, Submariner, and I, it hit two other people. Maybe it hit Colossus, and I think maybe it hit Kitty Pride. I can't remember, but there was five people that it hit, and it was one of those alternate reality type of things. And then Cyclops essentially turns into Magneto. He's got this complex of like, hey, we need to save all mutants, and fuck the human race because you guys have treated us like second class citizens like we did not matter like we did not exist like we weren't supposed to be here for the longest time and I'm not going to take your shit anymore so he essentially turned into Walter White without selling blue meth and when they did that and they made the character instead of being black or white they made him gray I was like this is so fucking cool when you can give me a character that I can relate to that on my worst day I can say Oh man, if my kids were hungry and I didn't have any money and I needed to steal that banana from whatever grocery store, I could I could understand why they stole that banana to give it to their kids. You know, so when you start making it like nobody's a good a hundred percent of the time. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Even I'm not I was gonna say somebody that was in the news that's religious figure, but I'm not gonna do that because I don't think that's right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, just look at the news, you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, some weird shit. But uh, you know, it's it's like nobody is always good all all the time right but when he finally broke bad and i was like dude this is so fucking cool you're getting to see a different layer of cyclops and you're getting him to see him come outside of this this everything is good everything is bad type of shell and you really get to see a man right he's making mistakes but you can kind of agree with the shit he's saying because yeah, you guys treated the X-Men like shit for decades because they were mutants. They weren't humans, you know, so you could get and understand where he was going and why he was doing what he was doing. And that was the first time I ever liked the Cy- I ever liked Cyclops' character. So I thought that was a really cool storyline. So if you get the chance, man, it, they did 12 issues. I think they did it like two or three times. Um, but the first run, I think it was like 2010, 2012, somewhere around there. Um, X-Men versus uh, Avengers. It was a very good 12-part series. Um, okay, gotcha. Two things. Two things about that. 
you know, I get, I always understood the metaphor about like, you know, Hey man, you're treating us, you know, where the downtrodden, where we're spit upon, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, like they're superheroes. Like how, yeah. how does the, how has the, you know, they, they, the world, the populace generally loves Avengers. I mean, not like the DC world loves the justice league, but like, okay, everybody loves the Avengers. Everybody yeah. loves cap, but like those guys, we don't like them because yeah. They're mutants. How do, how do they know they're mutants? All they know is they're superheroes and they're saving people from like falling bricks and shit. So I, I never got that. That that always was the, the, the X-Men like I get it. I understand like that's that's very cool. I, I get like, you know, the, the total um, uh, metaphor there. But it's like it always struck me as bullshit because like oh, they're superheroes. Who's, who's going to like yeah. think they're like downtrodden or something like that? And then the other thing this, uh, you know, I do love Colossus. It, it, Colossus reminds me of um, when I taught character design, uh, uh, you know, I always bring Colossus up because uh, I remember, you know, uh, the uh, new X-Men were co-created by Len Wein and I used to work at DC Comics. And I, I remember Len from I was a little gopher back then. I remember him telling me that, One like, thing. you know, Colossus was originally the, he was supposed to be the focal point. He was supposed to be the Superman um or uh the ben Grimm or something like that of of the x-men he was supposed to be you know the main character and the reason why you know um and that's why he has red yellow and blue on him just like superman it's like that's the character you're supposed to look at you know um uh nightcrawler is you know very dark colors you're not going to look at him and wolverine uh, who wants to look at a yellow guy in yellow and blue, you know, and, you know, uh, Jean Grey is like in green. You're not going to look at her, but like um, Colossus is the one you're supposed to look at. And then he mm-hmm. didn't become the focal point, which is interesting. Um, but I, I was, I always remember that. It's like, you know, you put your strongest colors on the character you want. Uh, you want to have people look at. Of course, I, I looked at Cyclops because I was a weird kid, but that was, that's just me. So you know. I've, Never once. I want to. I don't know if you can see it, and I always hate showing my arms because I'm not a very muscular guy. Um, but uh, I don't know if you can see it. Oh man, nope, no, nope, probably not. But I'm gonna stand up, and maybe you can. So I'm a huge Swamp Thing fan. I don't know. Oh, okay, if you, you can kind of see him. Sure. Right, yeah. Yeah. I get it. Right I there. I totally get it. Um, yep. Yep. And I'm a huge, 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 huge Swamp Thing. So when you said Len, my ears perked up pretty yep. substantially. Um. Obviously, Len and Bernie are both no longer here. Um, and uh, same kind of same thing. If you had any kind of uh, like with Chris, man, do you have any stories about Len? I would love to hear one if you got one, or even if you, you know, he taught you something pretty cool. Obviously, yeah. the the Colossus Superman focal point thing was very cool. But do you had any cool Swamp yeah, Thing yeah. things? Um, um, I have a couple of Len stories. One was um. You know, when I was really young, I was I was I was fifteen when I started at at DC. I was younger than that when I first showed up. Holy there. When shit! I first started when I first started, I was fifteen. I was um, I was a gopher. Um, mm-hmm. one summer I was I was an intern, a summer intern, and I was terrible. I was the world's worst gopher. I mean, what is what is a I gopher? I'm gonna interrupt you. You're supposed to go for this and go for that. Oh, okay. Um, and I was really bad at. It. You know, I was really, really bad at it. And, you know, I remember one, uh, you know, it was just a bad day. And I mouthed off to the wrong person. And that's stupid when you're 15. I would do, you know, all these stuff that I, 
I would fire somebody, you know, if I had yeah. to deal with this guy. <laughs> anyway, I was 15 and I was an idiot and I mouthed off to the wrong person. And then I got in trouble. And then, you know, I got brought in in front of the managing editor and he kind of gave me shit and told me I had to apologize to these other people. I wasn't really trying to be a dick. I was just, I was just stupid and young and I didn't know how to deal with business mm -hmm. type things. And anyway, it was a, it was a bad day and I did my duty and I went to apologize to them and I felt really dumb and I felt so awful. I, I, I went into Len's office and Len was by himself. I think it was just after lunch. And um, I, I started crying. I started bawling. I was just so upset. And I think Len was a little taken aback. He was like, oh, I think you should speak to Dick Giordano because Dick's really a great guy. Um, and I think Glenn was trying to say, like, dude, uh, this is a lot. But Glenn, yeah. Glenn sort of stayed with me. Len, Len was, it was very, very kind. He was very kind to a, a really moronic 15-year-old. Um, mm -hmm. He was really nice. And, you know, I said to him, like, Jesus, I, I can't believe I'm crying in front of you. Like, the dude that created Swamp Thing. And he's like, and he said... No, no, I created Swamp Thing to make people cry. And that was very nice. That was very nice of him. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, Len was just, uh, he, was, he was a funny guy, too. He had a good sense of humor. So um, I'm trying to think, was there something else about Len I wanted to say? Anyway, I, I mean, those guys, uh, you know, they were instrumental in giving me my start uh, mm -hmm. at BC Comics. Um, I think it was actually his lifelong friend, Marv Wolfman, who kind of got, saw my, uh, the drawings that I'd sent in and said, you know, you should, you should hire this kid as a, as an, as an intern. Um, mm -hmm. So that was, that was Marv. Uh, it was great. It was great to meet all those guys because I knew, I certainly knew all their names from the comics I'd read as a kid. Um, so it was real, it was real, it was a real pleasure, a real honor. Yeah, Marv, if you're uh, listening, I appreciate all everything you did for me. That's funny. It, it it's so wild. Like you start peeling back somebody's resume. So on the surface level, I know you from animation. I'm pretty sure I've read at least something or seen something you've worked on for DC Comics. I'm a huge DC Comics. I mean, you can kind of see one of the boxes. Let me just turn it. I'm gonna give you a peek behind the the. Uh, so right there are all of my boxes obviously i've got some you know other shit there but a lot of that and that's i'm trying to get everything down in my office now uh because it was upstairs now it's downstairs because we turned my last office into a nursery for the new baby and then this one yeah. was a dining room that we never used so i was like i really okay. want to i really and i really need a space so i can feel like a kid sure. and you can kind of see it I've already started drawing on the wall back here. So you can see that that long strip right there is actually Jack's sword. And you can kind of see the outline of Jack's head up there. Oh, okay. So gotcha. I've already cool. started projecting and then tracing. And then I'm. it's going to oh, take okay. me a very long time to finish it up. I, I think I've got I've got Frankenstein Jr. up there and Mighty Mouse. And anything oh, okay. that I've ever find, been a fan of is, is going up on my wall. And then I'm going to paint it oh, and awesome. get all these different colors. Yeah. You know, because like I said, you cool, guys, cool. you guys elicited this emotion, this feeling out of me when I was younger Get to see all these cool characters do all this cool shit, you know. And like I said, uh, I, I've, I've actually been talking with Marv back and forth. We're trying to make I haven't talked to him probably like six months. Um, our schedules are going pretty hectic between each other. And then, of course, last year, George Perez passing away. Um, you know, that one that was so like I've got. Uh, I don't think I have it down here yet, but I actually 
I told this story when I was talking to Chris the other week. Uh, Chris, De- um, not De- yeah, uh, Chris Suriotis. I was going to say Chris Stefano, but that's not right because I'm looking <laughs> at your name. <laughs> um, but I actually, it's somewhere around here. But I had a I had a headshot that George done uh, at a free comic book day. He was collecting money for all the uh, all the golden age comic book artists that were um, not able to oh, collect wow. any kind of compensation or any kind of money they were having a lot of health issues so they didn't have health insurance so a bunch of the artists like george perez all band together and they would go to conventions they would go to comic book stores you know they would go for a couple hours and any money that they got for donations or people buying stuff they put into this jar and then they went and gave it to all all of these artists that were from the golden age that were having health issues you know so i got to meet him uh twice i got to or three times excuse me once at comic-con uh once at a comic book store and free comic do it day but uh, my favorite story, and I'm going to tell you this, even though I just told Chris and ladies and gentlemen, you'll hear it twice. I don't give a shit because George Perez is worth two, three, four hundred times telling the story. Um, I'm in a Panera Bread right next to my comic book store with my wife, right? And George Perez lives in the same area as my comic book store right down the street. I did oh, not wow. know this, right? So okay. I'm literally just bought, you know, uh, you know, the year prior on one of my last deployments, uh, every trade that I could that had the name George Perez on it and the new teen Titans, the Titan, like, so I'm reading all these Titans things. And then I go to get my comics on a Wednesday and I'm sitting there and my wife and I are splitting, uh, um, a, uh, steak and cheese sandwich. And then we each got a bowl of Mac and cheese. So I'm eating Mac and cheese and I happen to look up and I see him walk by and I've got Mac and cheese just falling out of my face. I've got it in my beard. I look like an idiot. And then I dropped my spoon and my wife's like, you okay? And I'm like, that's George Perez. And then she was looks over. She's like, who? And I was like, we're going to talk after after this because you need to know who George Perez is, right? Wives so, never know. I no, that about. no, she didn't. They, they, they just then, don't appreciate George Perez. They don't. And it's such <laughs> bullshit, Stephen. So I'm sitting there and she's like, were you going to go say hello? I'm like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say go say hello to George. Per- no, he doesn't want to be bothered. Right. He's wearing he's wearing his uh, what was he wearing? I think he's wearing a Superman shirt that his wife had made because his wife would make all of his T-shirts and stuff. Right. The button up oh, wow. shirts and she would get the fabric and make his shirts. Oh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, his, yeah, yeah. You know, so he's wearing a Superman shirt and he was just doing action comics when DC did the new 52. Um, so, you know, he was doing that whole thing. And then it was like eating at me. And it was only, this is only like 30, 45 seconds of me contemplating on it. And I'm like, I'm going to go talk to him because I don't know if I'll ever get this chance again. I'm never going to see George Perez out in the wild again. Right. So I go over and then I'm going up to him and his back's toward me. And I tap him on the shoulder and I go, I know who you are. And then he smiles and he's like, you do. And I was like, you're George Perez. You created my childhood. You created a fucking piece of my childhood. And then super awkwardly, I turn around and I start to walk away and he says, Hey, and I'm like, Oh shit, that was really awkward. So I turned back around and he asked me what my name was. I told him what my name was. He said, Thanks for being a fan. And he said a couple other things um, that'll come to me, you know, a little bit later. Um, but I got this moment with him. You know, I I got to say, look him in the eyes. I got to shake his hand, the hand that he fucking created the Teen Titans with, the hand that he fucking molded so many people's childhoods, his artwork on cyborg alone. Like I got goosebumps now just thinking about this. His fucking take on Cyborg is the greatest take on that character. In my opinion, nobody comes close. Nobody will ever touch that character the way George Perez took, touched that character. That no, sounded a lot dirtier no, no. than I meant it to be because we said Teen Titans. Yeah. But No, but I understand. Yeah. Yes, it's so beautiful. And I got to spend – and it was like a minute's worth of his time really. And it was like 
it meant everything yeah. to me to get to see him. And then a couple of years later, I got to see him at a, a free comic book day. And I had my youngest son with me at the time. And then he was collecting money again for the for the old artist. And then he was like, you look really familiar. I was like, yeah, I was the guy that had mac and cheese all over my face. I told you you were my hero uh, last year at Panera. But he's like, oh, well, he started with a J. And I was like, holy shit, he at least remembers a letter. My name, my name is Julian. So wow. we were talking for a little bit. And then I was uh, he was like, well, who's your favorite character? And I was like, well, it's always been Batman. But I, I love Swamp Thing. I love Aquaman. I love your cyborg. And then I was like, um, but my son here, he's really starting to get. And I think Hayden was probably like four or five, six years old, somewhere around there. My oldest at the time. And I was like, he really likes Batman right now. So I would like to get something for him. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. And he was like, uh, you don't have to pay for anything. And he's like, but if you want to donate. And I was like, yeah, no, we, we talked about this last time. So I, I put in like a 20 or $30. Um, and I was like, this is all the cash I have on me. I could go get more if you'd like. He's like, no, any, anything helps. So I, I put like $20, $30 in there. And he drew like a head sketch of Batman. And then Hayden was like, oh, what? Are you drawing Batman? He was like, you're going to see something really cool. And he was like. That looks like a bat. He's like, yeah, yeah, but wait, wait, wait until I get done with this. This is going to be Batman. So he fucking drew this, you know, little head sketch of Batman. And uh, I'll take a picture of it and send it to you later. Um, but uh, he's a, picture, a headshot of Batman and then the bat cave and like a little bat or two around there. And he signed it underneath them. And it just like him giving me that moment, but him giving my son that moment, even though my son didn't really know who he was. Um, yeah. you know, and he, he's kind of already grown outgrown Batman and all that other shit, you know? So he's into like anime and manga and stuff like that. That's what this generation's yeah. into. Um, yeah. but just getting to have that experience with George two, three times in a row, and then him being such a genuine person, such a kind person and a person that a hundred percent, in my opinion, I think he knew what he meant to everybody and him getting to experience that. I never saw a bad interaction with any fan. I never heard anything mm -hmm. bad about george and the fact that he's no That's longer nice. here hurts so fucking much but i'm so glad that we got we got some time with george and we got to see the brilliance of that man you know so like i said uh, as always thank you for sharing the stories for chris thank you for sharing the ones oh, sure. and uh i'm gonna thank myself for sharing i'm just fucking with you for george but thank, thank you, you george you know like i said we miss we miss george man um but getting getting back to you man i, I sorry for going down that comic book tangent um oh yeah but, no i could do that <laughs> it's, we're gonna have to have I, another I, part I'm, on I'm, here steven uh, yeah right I'm, <laughs> so i'm always prepared to talk i mean you know who who else was going to draw the avengers versus the jla really you know like nobody you know, i don't think i mean there's only one man that could that could do it so it had, it's george's george's this was the shit you know um <sighs> just you know my childhood too yeah, one of the, one of the greatest of all time, man. If there's a Mount Rushmore, he's on it four times in a row. It's him and Jim Lee as far as my favorite favorite artists go for when it comes to comic book. I love Jim Lee's Batman, and like I said, I don't think anybody can touch the level of artistry. I don't even know what the right word is that that George was putting out there. I mean, it's just it's so chef's kiss essentially is what I'm getting at, man. There's there's no none better in my opinion. But uh, you know, like I said, getting back to gotcha. Primal Man. Uh, like I said, this show was so special. This was my favorite show when this one dropped of that year. Um, and both times it dropped season one and season two, perfect shows. Um, so when you're on here, obviously, like you said, you know, there was some evolving of that character. It went from, you know, that Japanese style to more of Mike's style from Hellboy. Um, what were some of the things that you got to design that you absolutely had a blast with? Obviously we know spear and you said Fang wasn't really a thing back in the day, but now he was. So did you get to throw around any, uh, character designs for Fang too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
yeah, I did. I can't remember if I did the rotation on thing. Um, but uh, I know that I did some, I know that I did some of the early designs on it. Um, I don't know how far it went. After a while, you know, Gendy was going to throw me um, all like uh, all the animals. Mm -hmm. And I did design some of the animals for the first episode. Um, I remember the, the pterodactyl I designed, um, you know, uh, and, you know, the pose is in the is, is in the is in the film. Um, but um, after a while, you know, when Gendy loves what you do, he loves what you do. But if he doesn't like what you do, he's not going to have you do it. So it's yeah. like it's after a while, like I realized, like, oh, I'm not drawing animals anymore. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I have an animal person. Like, oh, okay. So I don't think I drew too much of Fang after a while, or really, he might have thrown me an animal here and there. And then he mm -hmm. like probably like sat on me a lot for it because he wasn't crazy about the way I drew. I mean, he likes, you know, my cartoony animals, but he doesn't, he wasn't crazy about my animal animals. So, yeah. um, although I did, I did do, you know, I did do all those uh, woolly mammoths. Um, I guess I was still doing animals at that point, like a lot of dying, you know, a woolly mammoth. That was pretty, that was pretty intense. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Now I'm losing the thread of the question. What, what did you ask me? <laughs> oh, no, just if you, if you had gotten to do any of the, uh, any of the designs for any of the other characters like Fang or Mira or anything like that. Yeah, I mean all the all the humans, all the humans mm. I designed. I mean, you know, I I designed a shit ton of, I designed an entire massacred Viking village. Um, that is such you know, a heavy it, episode, Red Mist. Every every dead person, like that was me. Um, uh, you know, every every human was was. I mine. killed them all. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I drew a lot of guts. I probably drew more guts yeah. uh, than ever before in my entire career. Maybe a little bit on Ren and Stimpy. I drew a lot of guts, but uh, but yeah, there's a lot of dead people in that. Um, Just a little um, bit. <laughs> yeah, I drew a lot of you know. Uh, there are a lot of monkeys. There are a lot of mm -hmm. monkey men that uh, Spear fought. I always drew those. Uh, there's that episode. I don't know the names of them either. Gandhi's will spit at me the next time he sees me but there's the episode where like he he hulks out uh spear um yeah. do, do you know that one and like yeah. he's just like destroying little ape men left mm -hmm. and right man and he's just like ripping them apart and stuff and man, this one is I, in the coliseum I, isn't it like yeah, when he's fighting yeah. yeah yeah i designed i designed every every bit of gut flying out of those uh and then after a while, um, you know, uh, I think by the end, he's meeting like Egyptian style warriors mm -hmm. and Babylonian style warriors. And um, Gendi was having pity on me by that point. He's like, just design one and like make him have like a mask on his face so that, you know, like, you know, the animators know just to plug that guy in. I'm like, OK, um, that was that was a godsend. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I designed, uh, it was, it's, it was a lot of work. Um, it was a lot of work. I think I quit the first season. I think I got, I just got really fed up and tired, um, uh, in the first season. I'm pretty sure I quit. Gendy would know cause he never forgets stuff like that. Um, 
but uh, I seem to recall quitting. And then like, and then I came back really quickly because <laughs> he was like, could you just drop this? And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, fine. And then, and then I was just on it again. So um, you can't say no to Gendy. He's got a face. He's got, he's got the got magic. Face. He's yeah. got the he's got that he's got that little punum on him. He's got that cute little face. So you got to work for Gendy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then after a while, you know, you know also season two got easier because, interestingly, you know, it's a hard show. It's really mm-hmm. not easy to do. The, the The great thing about working for Gendy is he's like he does ninety percent of it himself. And whatever he can't do, he'll give to people like Scott mm-hmm. and me and stuff. And so, you know, it's it's a hard he's working like the hardest. He's probably the hardest working man, no joke, in show business. And then, you know, we come in and we help him. But um, yeah, he uh where was I going with that? Uh I lost my train of thought. Um ninety uh, percent of the work he does, and then you guys does, get farmed out. Yeah, yeah. So um so after a while, uh, it, it became apparent that um, the studio, uh, the French studio, La Cachette, that was doing the actual production, that was doing the actual animation, they like hit an amazing stride with it. Like after a while, you know, we didn't have to do uh, special poses or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to call, you know, images from the storyboard to say this is what the character looks like in this scene and stuff like that, because they just they were able to run with it like like crazy. I mean, yeah. it just got to the point where, like, you know, you could, you know, just send them whole storyboards and they would know what to do with it, which is uncanny. I mean, that's not that's not normal. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a testament to how hard people worked on Samurai Jack because, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. You know, most of most all of that was animated in Korea. Mm-hmm. And um, and, you know. When I lived in Los Angeles, you know, I worked with a lot of really great uh, Korean animators and stuff like that. They're amazing. I mean, they're super hardworking. They were way more hardworking than us. But, you know, you got to understand, too, you send um, an animated product off to another country. That's it's not even their culture. You know, it's not they don't even know what language you're talking in. You know, (laughs) what language the characters are supposed to be speaking in. And so they're interpreting stuff. And, you know, you might have an overseas director or you might not. And so it would come back and, you know, um, we had some great ones on Ren and Stimpy, but uh, and that was pretty much my only experience uh, seeing footage come back from from animation. But, you know, Gendy would have to, like, call retake after retake after retake because Gendy's really demanding. and He really needed to see, like, what he wanted and what he had in his head. And, you know, like you said, Samurai Jack looks great. You know, it mm-hmm. just looks great. And, you know, Gendy will probably say, like, some episodes look better than others, but, you know, it looks great because, you know, he demanded, like, this This has to look like this. Yeah. And he would work as hard as anybody. But Lacachette, um, you know, uh, like I said, he found them, I think, pretty sure, just via Instagram. And they, they grabbed the ball and ran with it. Uh, yes. You know, they got it instantly, which is interesting because... You know, Gendy and I kind of thought, like, from our knowledge, we're, now we're older people, so we're thinking of the French as like, oh, you know, Asterix, and, you know, they like this fun, like, bouncy, you mm-hmm. know, kind of quasi-Disney stuff, and, you know, I, I don't know if they'll get, he must have seen something in the real where he knew he knew they could do action-adventure, but they just, like, 
you know, they they killed it. And we were like, wow, that's like their thing. Um, And, you know, when the new show Unicorn came up, Gendy and I were like, you know, we're not going to have to work on that hard on that, you know, La Cachette shit. They're French. They'll get it. It's funny. It's humor. It's really cartoony. They'll get it. They'll just get it. Mm -hmm. And and that was we had to work super hard (laughs) on uh, on Unicorn uh, quite a bit harder than for whatever reason. It's like, you know, they had to build their studio, Lacachette. I mean, they did amazing work, but like suddenly they were getting all this work. They were trying to finish Primal and Unicorn at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so they were really hard pressed and they were getting animators from across Europe um, to work in Paris for them. And yeah, it was like, you know, um, Gendy and I, and Gendy had a really strong idea of what he wanted Unicorn to look like. So um, so we did all kinds of post-production on that. Um, and when I say post-production, it was like, for me, it's post-production. I did all my work. I did all the designs for Unicorn, uh, which you haven't seen, but it'll air next week. So as I'm, as, I'm we're, taping, as we're taping this. Um, so um, yeah, so the, the character layouts would start to come in and he's like, uh, could you work on these? Cause I want it to more look more like this. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. I was on, I was on that show way longer than anybody thought um, mm-hmm. because Kendi had an idea of what he wanted to do. Now, Lacachette did a great job, but we thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, they, they hit Primal right out of the park and we thought, you know, Unicorn was going to be a cakewalk for them because, you know, it's cartoony, but it, you know, there's no such thing as a cakewalk with Kendi anyway. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I didn't design any crushed monkey men or any like heads ripped <laughs> off or anything like that for Unicorn. But, you know, another cast of thousands, you know, thousands, like I was drawn, I was drawn background characters up to yin yang. Um, mm-hmm. It just so happened, like, you know, I loved it because uh, a little bit more than, than primal, just because like, it's a stretch for me to try and draw like, uh, Mike Mignola drawing like Gendy Tartakovsky, you know, I mean, I can do yeah. it, but it's like, it's, it's not a no brainer. It's like, I got to think, you know, um, but you know, unicorn, I could just, I mean, it's like, it just kind of flies out of me. Um, so, um, it was good, uh, that it flew out of me cause there was a lot of work. <laughs> there was a lot of work. Um, but, uh, you know, I like, I like them both. Uh, you know, I mean, we just had a, you know, if you want to get back to the Avengers, by the way, we could talk about the Avengers and the Justice League and stuff like that. I'm always happy to talk about that because clearly I get it. Because, like I said, I'm I'm Gendy's superhero guy for whatever reason. You know, I mean, there's a reason why he, you know, when he did a Marvel comic, like he asked me to ink it because mm-hmm. he knows, like I know what he's talking about. You know, um, and I'm probably not the only guy in Los Angeles who knows, like how he wants it to look like 1978 inking and stuff. I, you know, there are probably other people in Los Angeles that know that too, mm-hmm. but Gendy knows that I know it and he knows me. So he goes to me for it. Um, so, um, so yeah, I love, I love primal too. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's a gas to do. It's, it's flexing another muscle for sure, but uh, um, it's, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, I, uh, you know, I wanted to draw superheroes when I was a kid. Uh, that was my go-to. And then every time I drew, I drew something funny, and it mm-hmm. was, it was clear, like, well, this isn't my calling. You, you know, superheroes are not my calling. 
I don't know what I was doing at DC Comics. Most of the people at DC Comics didn't know what I was doing with DC <laughs> Comics. You know, they were like, you sure you don't want, you sure you, you know, this isn't Archie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, someone just want to draw something funny. And they're like, okay. You know, I remember like once when I told one of the editors there that uh, after I'd lived in Los Angeles for a while and I had a reputation, which was amazing because I never had a reputation at DC. Everybody just thought I was weird and bad. Um, <laughs> and then I went to Los Angeles and everybody's like, hey, I get what you're doing. That's, you're like, you're like, that's like Harvey Kurtzman, right? And I was like, what? You you understand this? You get this? I met my people finally. I remember like I came back to DC once and I was, one of the editors asked me, you know, what I was doing. And I said, oh, I just designed the entire model pack for the new Woody Woodpecker show. And, and she said, oh, like, like it was a bad thing or something. Like, what a dick. Oh, well, she didn't mean it. She, did, she just didn't get the culture. You know, it was, yeah. she was, it was like, oh, well, good for you. Maybe someday you'll do something good. Try like, again. All right. I don't know. I just, Universal Studios seem pretty happy with what I did, but okay. Um, you know, it's always like that, though. It's like the place you grow up, you're never going to be, you know, especially mm -hmm. when you're young there. You know, you're never going to be grown up ever there in your head and in their head. You're always going to be absolutely that that idiot that yelled at somebody stupidly because you were in a more <laughs> 15 year old. Um, so that's why I don't. Aside from the fact that, the, you know, uh, DC is no longer in New York. That's why I don't go to DC Comics anymore. Uh, oh, I got that's... tired of feeling shitty about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, that's a long story short. Uh, that's a long story longer, actually. Yeah, but I guess that's so. my history. Thank... That's my history of the superheroes. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, um, um, if if this ch conversation's done anything, it's made me want to. I've got such a huge stack because I'm just so far behind in my weeklies. I mean, I've probably got a stack of comics sitting four or five inches off the off the table. Like I might get one every other day or two. Um, there's there's a couple that I'll actually go to as soon as they come out. I go and read them. Saga is one of them. The Ninja Turtles is the other one. Um, and then there's a uh, I'm a huge Thing fan, the Thing fan, Ben Grimm fan. So they've got a yeah. uh, a team up book out now. I think it's like a three oh, yeah. or three or five part of him and the Hulk. Um, okay. so I've had a lot of fun with that one. She Hulk, of course, whenever that one drops, cause she's my favorite Marvel character of all time. Um, I okay. always, I, you know, I always read that one. So, but with the, with all the other ones, cause I'm pulling like 20 plus books a month, um, if not more. Um, but it's just like, it's can't fucking keep up with this shit. Um, but there was a couple things I want to circle back to on primal and then we'll, uh, I, I'm, I've already kept you, I've already had you about an hour and a half. So I figure we can, you know, ask a couple more questions on primal we'll wrap it up. And I'd love to have you back on because the, we can literally talk comics for hours. We can literally talk cartoons for hours and this is going to be like a 12, 13, 14 parter at the rate we're going, man. So but like I said, right. it's Friday. Yeah. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, and no I appreciate all the chat we had so far, but a primal man. Sure. Um, did you, Two things. One, uh, the the first one is I wanted to talk about the Red Mist episode because you said you got to design all of the crazy shit. And by far, that is whenever I pitch anything to anybody to watch, I tell them, watch the Red Mist. You won't go wrong. Um, that that show. And then for the first run of Samurai Jack, the birth of evil part one and two, I give that one, those two. And then Mad Jack, I always give to everybody, because if you want to know what the show's about, watch those three episodes and you'll get everything you need to know about it. Um and uh, but the Red Mist, man, that is a show when that one hit, I watched that one 
every single day. And I was just amazed. Like I did what I've heard so many of you guys do when you guys get in the animation industry, when you're trying to figure out how animation worked, you would watch something and pause, pause, play, pause, play, pause, play. And you would go through the panels and you would understand movement. You would understand squash and stretch. You would understand all of this crazy shit just on the outside looking in that you don't know until you start working with it. Right. I watched the red mist so many times that if I could have burnt out streaming, if I could have burnt out TiVo or whatever it was that I was using to, to watch this, it would have happened. I watched it so many times. That episode is one of the most dark, one of the most haunting, and one of the most beautiful episodes of anything I have ever seen in my life. Watching that, there's a couple scenes that stick out. Obviously, obvi the name is The Red Mist. So when you see The Red Mist come in, and you know that meme or that gif with Homer like going into the bushes that everybody yeah. uses? When you see Spear and Fang, literally walk back like like i got goosebumps right now thinking about it dude when you see them walk back and the eyes change you see everybody like dude, i'm like a legitimately when i say goosebumps I, my hair on the back of my neck is standing up this that scene is so fucking powerful and then literally everybody goes ape shit you know pun intended every there is uh when i had aaron laplante on um obviously the voice of spear uh, somebody had asked him, what's it like to go monkey mode? And I think that's so fucking funny, that that term monkey mode. Um, and so when they essentially go monkey mode and they just start wreaking, they literally snap and fucking destroy everything in the vicinity. It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I mean, the, the scene with that one where you see uh, Spear literally grab a kid, kill a kid, and he doesn't understand until. And then you see everything across his face. You're like, oh, shit. I just killed this kid without realizing it was a kid. And then you see Fang jump up on the the uh, house and he goes and does this yeah. big thing and then he fucking falls. Such a scene stealer, man. Uh, I mean, you yeah. got to really build them up and then bring them back down so you can build them up even higher in that episode. I mean, yeah. this this episode, I don't understand how this one alone didn't fucking just take every Emmy out there. This episode, like I said, probably the greatest episode in the entire series, and that's saying something because every episode was fantastic. This one in particular, fucking brilliant. Uh, obviously, like you said, you you designed all of the dead bodies, the guts, and all of the people and everything like this. What sticks out specifically about this episode to you? Is there anything that you can bring up that designing this stuff that that might that you you know you could talk about in depth? Uh, well, let me say this. First, Julian, I have to go to the bathroom because okay, we've been talking for a while. We'll hit <laughs> pause. All right, we're back and we're talking Red Mist, man. So what do you remember? Red Mist. Uh, I think, you know, when I first saw the storyboard, you know, we you know, we get them as animatics now. We don't get them as comics. We get them, uh, we get them as, as, you know, little cartoons themselves. I don't remember who boarded that show, but I remember... Um, how beautifully told I thought it was. Mm -hmm. It was just so, it was just so atmospheric. I mean, um, uh, you know, like, you know, the, the, the um, lily livered person I am, I'm always a little aghast at the violence um, yeah. because it's, it's like, I'm like, I can't believe Gandhi goes there. And Gandhi always says like, I'm not into violence. And I'm like, but, like, you sure about that? You no, know, this, this guy has says seven spears through his mouth. You know, you, you really anyway. Um, but um, 
but yeah, aside from the, the uh, being aghast at the violence, I, I just thought like it was so beautifully told. Um, and it just seems, you know, it's like, it's like any really good film. It just keeps building upon itself. It's, it's, it was such a good storyboard. Um, and I, I'm surprised I can't remember who boarded it. I want to say Gendy, but it might've been, uh, Brian Andrews. I don't, I don't really remember any, and, uh, and it, and, and, and then what happens, you know, Gendy doesn't like when I do this, but he always wants me to, you know, tell him what I thought of it. And, you know, he might ask me, well, what'd you think of it? And I said, well, it's probably, it's probably got about 200 characters in it, Gendy. <laughs> and, and he's like, no, that's not why I'm asking. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm like, it's good. It's great. But it's got 200 characters in it. I'm, I'm always looking at like, I got to do that. 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 And then like, how am I going to do this? What's that going to be? And, you know, Gendy just wants to know that. He, he, what he wants to hear is like, that's fucking rad. But like, yeah. but like, I'm just always thinking technically. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So then my second thought was like, okay, I got to draw a lot of dead Vikings and that's going to be something. And, um, and then what else did I think of it? And I guess, you know, the, the next thing that I think of it is that, that enters my head is like, it just turned into a, a killer looking film. It just turned into, mm-hmm. it just looked great. It just looked great. Uh, and, you know, all the things um, that um, the board showed promise, uh, all the promise in the board just like ended up being, you know, uh, all there and twice as good. It was, it, it was just, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm pretty proud of that, uh, you know. Um, yeah, uh, a lot of blood, yeah. a lot of guts, but... Uh, a lot yeah, of tears, uh, too. A lot, a lot of tears, yeah. yeah, yeah. What happens to the Viking chief's son? He dies horribly, right? So the... The youngest one, obviously, Spear takes and throws him against a rock without realizing it. And then he right. has a older son. I remember killing him. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the most powerful scenes in this entire episode is when he, the Viking king is uh, essentially sending off his wife and his kid. And then they yeah. do the Viking wedding where they're pulling back the lit arrow and they're going to light him on fire as they send him down the river. And the Viking can't do it. So his oldest son, his only son now at that point, sees his dad struggling, sees his dad crying because of what happened, takes the bow and arrow. Goosebumps again, man. I can already feel him crawling up the back of my neck. Takes the bow and arrow out of his dad's hands, launches and releases that arrow, sends that arrow to send his his mother and his son, his brother off to Valhalla, essentially that, right. yeah, yeah, that is one of the most heartbreaking. Cause being a dad, you seeing that from a different perspective, I, I see that and it tears me apart because not only did he lose his wife, but he lost his son. Right. So I can't imagine mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. put in that headspace. And the fact that it was such a brutal world that that's how they send off their dead, you know? So that's how they send them, across the rainbow bridge essentially if we're going to use a thor metaphor um you know so that and then seeing his son because if you've had teenagers you know teenagers don't give a fuck about anything other than themselves i got a 13 year old right now 
boy, oh boy, do they have punchable faces on a regular basis. It's just like, they don't give a shit about anybody. And I was the same way. So right. ladies and gentlemen, right. don't think that you were any, any easier as a parent or as a kid, but right. just seeing a kid that's probably a teenager that sees the discomfort, that sees the the heartbreak in his dad's eyes and takes that upon himself to do what his dad couldn't do. Yeah. Fucking beautiful. And then you see in the next episode, they literally take that next son, or maybe it's two episodes after that, literally takes a son up in the air about 200 feet. They've got these flying animals. I don't even know what they're, maybe big birds. I can't remember. And then his son yeah. literally drops onto a rock. Yeah. So you killed him too, Stephen. Thanks for making me I cry. I killed him. Again. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. all the deaths. I, re I remember drawing <laughs> him smashed against the rock. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I am. Yeah, I am the harbinger right. of death, Stephen. Yeah, I'm the harbinger of death. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what they used to call me in uh, yeah. in grade school. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen, there he goes, the old harbinger, the the, the angel of death, to Stefano. That was me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. Wow. Uh, yeah. So so that's, like what, that's said, what anyway. That's what I remember about <laughs> redness. It was. It's, it's great looking, great looking episode. Really, really good. Just well done. That it was. I mean, that's a movie in itself right there. That's so much more than television. It That you keep saying film. And that's what I think of. Like when I think of Gendy Primal in particular, I, I think of Quentin Tarantino. And here's why. Quentin Tarantino is probably one of the only directors that still does film. Like he doesn't do the, the digital stuff. He's still recording on film. And everything that you watch from Love Him or Hate Him uh, from Tarantino, I, I love the guy. Um, in my opinion, greatest American director of all time. I, I fucking love everything Quentin Tarantino's done. Um, you see him, and he's the bar, in my opinion, that everybody should be measured against. And when I watch animation, don't get this wrong to anybody that's ever listened. I love Craig McCracken. I love fucking John Dilworth. I love anybody Craig Bartlett. But Gendy, in my opinion, is the greatest of all time when it comes to creators, to come to animators, to artists, to story. But whatever you wanted to, whatever you, whatever. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Whatever place position you want to put Gendy in, in my opinion, GOAT, greatest of all time. So I watch him and he's the guy I measure everybody else against, right? Any other creator, any other show. And, it, you know, it's not fair in some cases because it's, you know, most of the time it's like this dude's like, I don't want to say he's head and shoulders above everybody else. But to me, in particular, he's he's like I said, he's the guy. Um, yeah. And when I watch his shows, it's it's like a Tarantino movie, man. It's like this should be filmed. Yeah. This should be shown in a movie theater. This is this is too good for a phone or too good for a laptop, too good for a television, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I totally understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're like little movies to me. I think I think, uh, you know, a lot of Primal would just look great on, on the big screen if anybody ever mm -hmm. goes to the big screen anymore. I just, you know, um, yeah, Gendy. Um, yeah, he really, you know, I, I, you know, when I was a board artist, I thought in terms of like Huckleberry Hound and comic strips, mm -hmm. you know, everything's kind of right to left or up and down maybe this way sometimes but gendy thinks um and that's why i'm not a storyboard artist anymore because that that's like that's that really became old-fashioned real quick but um but you know gendy thinks gendy thinks like a film director he thinks mm -hmm. you know he thinks in terms of cinema which is which is really really cool his stuff moves like like crazy you know mm -hmm. aside from and aside from everything else gendy's a great director but he's also a good he's, he's a great animator which is why mm -hmm. you know i think uh his his shows and it's funny from either humor to action adventure like 
they're just so beautifully animated and that's because he understands animation timing super 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 well i mean there's a lot of really legendary great looking great beautifully designed shows that i thought they move like shit and it's not just because like you know they they um they didn't have the great animators on it or they didn't have like it's because you know they didn't you know they didn't they didn't um usher it through the way gendy does gendy really understands animation timing um and uh he does it beautifully he, and he, he times all of his own cartoons he's insane i mean he's just he's nuts he's uh he's and he's so fucking good so um yeah so that's part of why he makes such good films uh he's such a, he's a really good filmmaker absolutely man i'll tell um, him so i'll tell him that you like it <laughs> thanks man i appreciate that uh so what i figure we can yeah. do is we can rotate because like i said we can I, I i could go i've got enough caffeine and thc in me to last all night but i don't want to keep you here all night man um super i'm super happy you said yes to coming on my show and i'm super happy sure. that you followed me down this road and just indulged me in in, in all these stories uh it's been a real blast I, I i can't wait to do this again if you're up for it um sure yeah absolutely. so this is this a lot thank of fun. you thank you julian Thank you. I'm I'm glad you had some fun, man. Um, so if, what I figure yeah. we can do is we can do some uh some some questions, even though I've been asking you fucking questions for almost the last two hours. But uh, these are these have been real fun. Um, you know, we get to peek uh peek into a deeper look at Steven, man, to so see how he kind of thinks and see what he would like to do and what he's done, and then using all those past experiences, we get to paint another picture of Steven, add another layer of what Steven does. Um, so this one's fun. I gave you these two questions before, man. So you get a Mount Rushmore, four people. Plus an honorable mention. Who's on your Mount Rushmore? Um, yeah, my Mount. Um, you know, uh, you know, I'll I'll preface this by saying not only am I kind of an older dude. I'm not old. I started when I was really young, so people have to understand because I have a forty year uh, resume, and it's like mm -hmm. people think I'm like eighty. But I'm I started really young, so I've been doing this. But I've been doing this a long time. So my my and you know my pre my preferences always go back. To the early part of the 20th century so i i talk about really old dudes uh i talk about really old school cartoonists my 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 mount rushmore my my the gods to me of cartooning are um i mean i could go on and on and on but my main ones are uh jack kirby um mm -hmm. harvey kurtzman the creator of mad mad, mad comic magazine. and mad magazine um, a guy named uh, Milt Milt Gross. Uh, mm -hmm. He did um, well. We'll get we'll get to him because I know which other question is. But he Milt Gross. If anybody doesn't know him and wants to do, do humor cartooning of any kind, if you don't know Milt Gross, then you kind of have to know Milt Gross. Uh, probably the funniest cartoonist um, uh, I've ever seen. And and when we got to Ren and Stimpy, that was one of the things. When I got to Ren and Stimpy. You know, and somebody brought up Milk Gross. I was like, you know who Milk Gross is? You like Milk Gross? Milk Gross was really important at Ren and Stimpy. Milk Gross is a great, uh, he was a newspaper cartoonist from uh, mm. the early part of the 20th century. Um, and then uh, a guy named L.C. Uh, Cigar, uh, the, the man who created Popeye. Um, the Popeye is the funniest comics I've ever read. Popeye is, you know, I've had a long, career drawing Popeye and um so much of my idea of what's funny comes from cigar and then um what am I up to is that four Jack Kirby yeah that's four uh, and then you get an honorable mention I get an honorable mention yeah somebody asked me this the other day I have to I have to mention a guy named uh Floyd Gottfordson 
Um, Floyd Gafferson was uh, a Disney artist. He took over the Mickey Mouse comic strip, um, both daily and Sunday, um, uh, very early on in the early 30s. And they're pretty famous uh, comics uh, for that kind of thing. Um, and if you think... Um, and if you think you can't get a great adventure strip starring Mickey Mouse, you'd be wrong. You'd really have to oh, read. Absolutely. If you want to read a killer adventure story um, with a lot of fun in it, too, it's kind of like a Gendy thing because it's got a lot of laughs, but it's got a lot of adventure mm -hmm. in it. Um, um, you got to read Floyd Gafferson's Mickey Mouse because uh, and he's one of these guys. He just got better and better and better. I mean, he took over the strip and suddenly it looked just gorgeous. And, you know, that's the original Mickey Mouse with the red shorts and the, what we call the pie-eyed Mickey Mouse. Um, and then... Was that uh, after Mickey... Freddie Moore? Um, I know Freddie Moore did yeah, the definitive I mean, design on Mickey, but... Yeah, Freddie, Freddie Moore kind of um, established, uh, you know, uh, after several other people, mm -hmm. but Freddie Moore was the great mouse artist for the animators. Um, okay. But so Gottfriedson had a pull from what the animators were doing. And so he, he took from Fred, the best of Freddie Moore, but he, he knew he had to flatten it out, turn it into a comic, yeah. comic strip. And, he, you know, he he made it sing really beautifully for comics. You know, that's, that's Floyd Gafferson's the Freddie Moore of comics. And he went on as Mickey evolved into, you know, the guy with the, the whites of the eyes and the mm -hmm. ears started to change and stuff like that. He started to get more fleshy. He started to get a little taller and stuff like that. You know, uh, Gafferson just got better and better and better until like by the time uh, the World War II strips start, the start happening. Um, it's just gorgeous. It's some of the most beautiful yeah. cartooning uh, I've ever seen. So, so those that's that's my Mount Rushmore. I could go on and on and on and on mm -hmm. uh, to other Mount Rushmores or other you know statues around the country, but of my favorite cartoonists. But those those are the guys that enter my head uh, continuously, uh, all the time. Jack and Jack Kirby's just um, somebody said. I think it was Marv Wolfman who said, you know. You expect to get in a spaceship someday and just travel until you can't travel anymore. You get to the end of the universe and you're pretty sure you're going to see a signature that says by Jack Kirby, you know, uh, and that Jack, Jack's, Jack's just, he's the night sky. He's, he's like everything, you know, Jack, mm -hmm. Jack is like the air, you know, that I, I breathe. Um, and I don't really think so much about Jack a whole lot anymore, just because there was a time when I just ingested as much of him as I possibly could. And there's, there was no way to get any more in. So I don't, I haven't read a Jack comic in a long time, but it's, it's in my DNA at this point. Uh, you know, so, uh, so yeah. So a lot of primal is, is Jack Kirby as well. So uh, yeah. Anyway, those are, those, that's my Mount Rushmore. All right, and then excuse me, and that next one is uh, two books that every fan of animation or anybody in animation should have on their shelves. What two books you recommended? Right. Well, I'll go back. I'll go. So I'll go back to my Mount Rushmore. You, I would say, um, you probably well, you need at least one book by Harvey Kurtzman. Uh, you mm -hmm. can get you know Mad going back to the original comics are being have been reprinted. And you can get that. Um, he didn't necessarily draw those. He, he laid them all out. So you can't go wrong there. But you either need one of two books by uh, Harvey Kurtzman. You either need The Jungle Book, which is some of his later work, uh, post-MAD, or you need, um, you need a collection called Hey Look, you know, back in the 40s when 
Harvey was a young cartoonist. And he was working for Stan Lee and doing these one page humor strips. It was a, it was a strip called Hey Look. And um, they're amazing. They're just brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. And they're hilariously funny. Um, and so that's that's essentially one. You need, a, you need a Harvey Kurtzman book. And then the other thing you need, going back to Milk Bros, there's a book. Oh, shit. It's got to be, excuse me a second, folks. And we'll get it. Uh, um, uh, where is it? Duh, duh, duh. You need this book called He Done Her Wrong by Milk Gross. This is, this to me is the single greatest graphic novel. I don't, I don't think Milk Gross would have called it that, certainly. You know, the, the phrase didn't exist back then. And um, I'm not even sure he would agree that it's a graphic novel if he were here. But it's, it's, it's to me, this is the, the sun and the moon. This is the greatest graphic novel of all time. And um, again, it's, it's, it's touching, strangely, but it's hilariously funny. Um, and it's so beautifully drawn. Um, and yeah, Milt's, Milt's, it's just, uh, if you've never seen that, you, you kind of have to, I've, I've made people look at it and I've, I've insisted people buy it and stuff because it's being reprinted several times. That's a copy from the thirties, mm -hmm. but, um, but, uh, yeah, if, if particularly if you're going to do humor, uh, if you're going to do humor, you need something by Jack Kirby and I think you need something by Milt, Milt Gross. And those, those are my two. I mean, well, I got both of those written down. Both those written down, so I'm gonna have to. Uh, like I said, my oh. eBay list is getting pretty thick, and I love it. That's why I yeah. like asking these type of questions because most of the time, I'm three years into this podcast, right? I'm going into my third year now. So whenever I ask these two questions, I, it's selfishly for me so I can deepen my knowledge of the animation history because I've read, you know, the Leonard Malton books, the Jerry Beck books. I've read these books and that books, but. When I get to hear the artists and the writers and the storyboard artists, the painters, the background guys, they get to tell me the influences that you guys have. I get to learn more, too, through you guys. I get to learn what you guys did, so it elevates my game. But then I get to go back further and see what it was about these people that had an impact on your career. And then I get to learn something new, so that way I can come from a more um well-rounded and a more astute position in the whole animation world. So thank you for those recommendations that you got there. Uh, now no, no these problem. next I ones... mean, there there will be a test. Just so you know, there's going to be a test about this stuff. Too. Shit. So I'm glad I so wrote these you down. Better. But... You're going to have to. You better study. I would, I'll just. Oh. Now. He done her wrong. And hey, look yeah. from Harvey. So I've got him. I've hey, got him hey, written hey, down. Hey, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, so these these next ones are uh, they're they're fun. So whatever the first thought that comes to your mind, uh, just go ahead and throw it out there. If you could be a fly on the wall. For any created, since you're a character designer here, and we're going to do characters, um, you could be a fly on the wall for any character ever designed in any cartoon, any comic strip, any book. What character would you love to be a fly on the wall to see created? Uh, wow. Um, I don't, I have no idea why this is just, this is what's popping into my head, but for whatever reason, when you said that, Plastic Man entered my head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no idea why. I, I don't know why. But I do love Plastic Man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I had a if, if I had a sixth uh, member of Mount Rushmore, it would probably be the Plastic, Man crea uh, Plastic Man's creator, Jack Cole. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, Plastic Man, I have no idea why. Oh, that's still uh, you fun. Know, that's for the a first I've ever heard. He's really... Yeah, for a superhero, he's just really strange looking. I mean, I don't know where 
you know, Jack Cole came up with this goggles business instead of a mask. But uh, he's so interesting looking. He's such a strange looking character and the whole red and the stripes it's really odd so i don't know why that that just popped into my head uh you know and he adapted well to animation too he looks good in cartoons um so yeah plastic man i again don't ask me why i have no idea yeah he's a walking cartoon already man so i like that yeah first first thing popped into my head that's fun man because we've i've never heard plastic man come up and i'm glad it did man (laughs) um He's such a fun character too, man. Uh, you know, I really, I really, I really started to find an affinity for that character. I want to say he popped up on Batman Brave and the Bold is one of those early Batman shows that my son was watching when he was a little bit younger. So he was just so fun. So, so out. It absolutely is, man. Um, uh, not a lot of people. And Diedrich Bader. Holy shit. Is he fucking good at everything? Batman. Great Batman, he man. A, he was a great Batman, yeah. That voice. I mean, Kevin Conroy, rest in peace, Kevin. He will, hands down, whenever I read a Batman comic, I hear two voices. I hear Kevin Conroy as Batman. I am the Knight. I am Vengeance. I am Batman. And I hear fucking Mark Hamill as the Joker. Most of the time, oh. <laughs> Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker to everybody. Mark Hamill, 100%, is the Joker through and through to me, man. Uh, live action, sure, of course, yeah. would be Heath Ledger. But I'm hearing Mark right. Hamill's voice when I'm reading Batman and Joker. Okay. Um, okay, understandable. Now, is there a movie or a TV show that you watch that you can get inspired right away? Obviously, we all have bad days, so you can throw in a movie to make you feel better. But if you're having something of an artist block or you're having issues with, you know, drawing for that day, is there something that you can put on movie, TV show that'll inspire you, that'll kind of break that, uh, break that bad day or that bad juju for the day? Uh, nothing like that. I mean, there's movies I always come back to. There's movies, you know, back when movies were just on TV randomly, I guess they still mm-hmm. are, but, um, you know, if there were certain movies that I, whatever was happening, I had to stop and just watch it. And the one that's entering my head right now is, um, uh, uh the 1980s Flash Gordon. It was yeah. just like, it just like, I had to watch it you know mm-hmm. uh and now i have it on blu-ray so it's like well yeah you know, i don't i don't even pop it in you know because the randomness of like when it was on was great uh back then but um but yeah uh, yeah i don't know flash gordon is one of those movies that just puts me in a, in a good mood um you know there's lots of others there's like if i was ever in a bad mood you know if i felt really low i would pop into marx brothers movie probably mm-hmm. um you know uh yeah, there's lots, there's lots of things, but, um, but you know, I'll stick with the superhero theme of our discussion, and I'll go with Flash Gordon. Absolutely, you're Gendy's superhero guy. It's a guy, really remember? funny movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm the superhero guy. That's right. You're the who? You're, you know, you're Gendy's great. superhero, Flash, man. You know, I'd love to see Flash Gordon like maybe ripped in two, uh, you know, and or just dashed against the rocks with his brains kind of splattered out. That'd be awesome. I should, I I'll, maybe I'll draw that. Maybe I'll design that. Uh, see if catch the tanning, See if he likes it. Yeah, there you go. You guys can do a Flash Gordon TV series. Um, everything's totally. coming back in vogue, man. Uh, that that I, I like that question. Uh, because on Saturday nights, uh, wife and the kids and I will sit down and we have movie night. So we go and buy candy, pop a shit ton of popcorn eat way too much food before and then we all feel like shit on Sunday because we ate way too much food. Um, but I, it's yeah, been, sure. just been fun because I've been going back and showing them things that they've never seen before. Um, because I'll, I'll go and I'll ask a question. Hey, what do you want to watch? I don't know. Pick something, pick something funny or pick something action. I'm like, 
dude, you guys are horrible to watch movies with. What do you guys want to watch? And they're like, just pick something. You got great. You guys got you or you have great choices when it comes to this stuff. I'm like, I wish somebody was recording this because you tell me I pick bad movies all the time. I don't pick bad movies. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so we haven't decided yet. So I might put in Flash Gordon because. I saw it with my grandpa back in the day, and I know for a fact that they've never seen it. So that might be the the one we watch tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Well, okay. Um, they might never forgive you, but, uh, you know, I'll appreciate <laughs> it. So, um, Well, it started with yeah. the Goonies. I, we just showed them. I don't know if you remember the Page Master. You remember that one with Macaulay Culkin and Christopher Lloyd? Uh, you know, he's, oh, I, re- it's... I remember. I remember the title. I never watched it, but I do remember it, yeah. Yeah, so it's just a live action movie that devolves into a uh, to an animated movie that gets sucked into the world yeah. of books and horror, fantasy, and all that other shit and adventure. Um, so it, they they got to see that movie for the first time last week. So it was cool watching something that I've seen thousands of times, and I look at them to see like what's you know peeking out at them and shit like that. So it's really cool when you can watch somebody else watch something. Um, as creepy oh, yeah, as creepy yeah. as that sounds. Um, so this no, I one get it. I, this I mean one... I, I inflict you know movies on my girlfriend all the time yeah sometimes she gets it sometimes she doesn't you know but um <laughs> you I should be like come on I'm the superhero way. guy you know some sometimes she likes it and sometimes she doesn't no no she'll stay awake for the superhero movie it's like when I show yeah. her like you know fucking like Swedish movies from the 1950s like she's like <laughs> And I'm like, well, I, I should have, you know, but, you know, she stayed fully awake for Avengers Endgame. She was like, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's a that's yeah. a keeper, and, man. And she doesn't, you know, she she didn't read comics when she was a kid, but she 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 loved it, you know. So so there you go. Hey, that's that's a that's a mark of a true keeper right there. Lock that one down. Oh, yeah. Um. Absolutely. So you this is a hypothetical one. So. Uh, you have to put yourself in a mindset. Steven's got uh, a shit ton of money, correct, to uh, open up an animation studio. So you get one creator, you get one director, you get one writer, one storyboard artist, and one voice actor. And here's the catch. It could be from anybody in time since the 1930s when Gertie first made it scene onto animation. So you could literally pluck and play anybody through the history of animation. Who's your, okay. we'll start with, with the first one. Who's the creator that you would love to have on your team for your animation studio? The creator. Mm-hmm. Um, are they, we're, we're talking specifically animation people? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, creator, creator. Um, uh, uh, Tex Avery. Tex Avery. Okay. So you get a creator director. Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he created Bugs Bunny. You know, I mean, that's I don't know. That's where my brain went. I I, I got well, that's perfectly fun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is this is yeah. this is your list, man. Uh, so you get a director. Who's going to be your director? My director. Well, then you have to go to Bob Clampett. Oh, I'm Bob so glad Clampett. you said Bob Clampett. That's the Great Piggy Bank robbery. Uh, is still that's probably my earliest core memory. Uh, and getting to talk to Ruth Clampett, the daughter of Bob Clampett, was such a fascinating chat. You know, she was such a lovely lady, and getting to hear stories about her dad was always fun, man. Um, so then you get your writer. Who's your writer? Writer. Um, writer. Uh, uh, well, I think I guess we'll just keep with the Warner Brothers theme. I guess Michael Mal- Maltese. Michael Maltese. Yeah. Uh, and then sure. A good writer, storyboard artist, uh, Chris Riccardi. Mm. And the last one is voice actor. Who are you bringing? Uh, 
You know, you get a. I don't want to be obvious, but you got to go with Mel Blanc because yeah. it's not, you know, you know, it's not just that he was the best, but he's always the most obvious because he did everybody. But mm-hmm. uh, probably, probably Mel Blanc. I don't know. Maybe I'd say Billy West, who could, who was like, who was like, you know, the latter day Mel Blanc. Billy was very funny. Oh. Billy, he is. You know, he was great. He was just great. Yeah, I've peaked my so first I year. I peaked. That well, that's that's a great list. I, I love Billy. Uh, I peaked my first uh, year in podcasting. I had Rob Paulson as my. He's my. He's my favorite voice actor of all time. He's my what Mel Blanc is to everybody. Fucking Rob Paulson is to me. Um, and I had Billy West in like my first ten episodes, and I'm just like I'm looking at him across the screen like I'm doing now, and I'm like. I look and I I I pause it. I'm like, dude, I can't believe I'm fucking talking to you. And he was like, yeah. He's like, why? And I was like, dude, you fucking you're Fry from Futurama, dude. You're Doug Funny. You are larger than life to me. And I was like, dude, you were Bugs and Daffy in fucking Space Jam. You know how many times I watched? I literally burnt the VHS of Space Jam out because of you. And I was like, you are. You and Rob are the essence of my childhood. Like when I hear characters, I hear you guys, you know? So yeah, yeah, Billy. And he's so fucking funny, like quick, like this, just right off the bat. I just, it was, he was such a cool dude, man. So I'm always happy when somebody brings up Billy West. Absolutely. And uh, here's, here's the last one. Now the last couple people said they, they, they would order pizza. Um, but since I cook for a living, I like this one. So it's kind of like the Mount Rushmore. It's kind of like the uh, creator thing, but you get to pick anybody through history. It doesn't have to be animators. It could be cartoonists. It could be historians. It could be anybody. Robert Alvarez literally picked Jesus on here because he wanted to know what the, I think it was what the last supper was really about, or he wanted to see who was going to pick up the bill. So he had a crazy list and it made me laugh quite a bit. So you get five dinner guests dead or alive. You have to cook though, so or buy pizza like the last couple people have done. Uh, so what are you cooking? Who are you bringing? And you get to pick the first round of discussion. So what are you talking about? So what oh, five people uh, are you bringing? Five people, mm-hmm. um, dead or alive throughout history. I'm just trying to think of who the fifth would be. Um, okay, right up my first four, the Beatles. Okay. All four Beatles are coming to dinner. Uh, they're roadie. Mal Evans is coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got to come. So that's my fifth. And I'm making my mom. No, it's not my mom's. It's my grandma's uh, pasta recipe. She'd make mm-hmm. uh, a big plate of, fu- a big tray of fusilli with uh, some fried eggplant and um, some uh, chopped meat. Um, um, like like um, prepared meatball, but like all crumbled mm-hmm. up, uh, in it, uh, just doused with sauce and baked, just really, really good, really good. Oh good. man, I haven't had that in a long time. I, I would make that uh for John Paul, George, and Ringo, and um for Mal, and I'd probably fuck it up, and they, you know, <laughs> I don't know if they'd stay, but. But you know the British, particularly back then, ate like shit. So maybe they'd like it. I don't know. Yeah, 
And then Sorry, what's the dude. first question you're going to ask them? No, they, 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 they know that their cuisine wasn't the greatest until probably the last <laughs> five, 10 years. So I know I they had this upon themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the first question? Um, uh, or what's one question? thing you've always wanted to ask the Beatles? If you, if you couldn't think of what you wanted to talk about, is there anything that you've always wanted to know that maybe, uh, maybe that nobody's ever answered? Um, I, I guess I would. I would guess I would say, "Hey, can I hang around with you guys?" Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, you know, I, you know, who doesn't want to like, you know, hang around with the Beatles? I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, is this fun? How's this? Can we be friends? You know, <laughs> can we be friends. You know, you're not gonna. Hey, are you gonna leave really soon? Because I, you know, I want. There's thousands more questions I want to ask you. You know. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, was John really as much of a dick as it sounds or like, was he a good guy or, you know, what do you think, George? I don't know. Stuff like that. But yeah, I'd probably just say, I'd probably do something ingratiating, like say, Hey, can we be friends? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> hey, wait, man, that's a, that's a, not, not a bad way to, to start a conversation with four of the biggest <laughs> celebrities, musicians of all time, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, like I, I mean, said, Stephen, this came is to dinner. Why wouldn't you say like something like that? You know, I mean, I got them at, I got them there. I might as well just like, you know, go right for it instead of like, you know, do you think God exists or you know, just like this? Do you want to pal around next week? That'd be awesome. Right, just yeah, man, you got to shoot your it. shot. Yeah, you yeah, only get absolutely. one chance, man. When that door opens, you got to make sure you stick your foot in there so they can't close it. So. Yeah. Anything you're and everything's the on the table. The, yeah, yeah. You're not gonna, just going to get the Beatles. Uh, yeah, that's that's. You got to take full yeah, advantage. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, like I said, Stephen, this has been an absolute blast. I've I've been looking forward to this all week. I mean, I look forward to every guest I had on, but you know, like I said, I, I've really been looking forward to this one for quite some time. So you did not disappoint. Oh, thank you, with... I, I did as well. Oh, man. Thank you, man. You did not disappoint with the stories, man. Getting to see a peek behind the curtain for everything that you've had your hands on, man, has been a real blast. Uh, for the fans that might not know, where can they go and find you if you're on the social medias, man? You got any uh, websites or social medias to plug? I do know. I never had a website, but, uh, you know, you can find me. Uh, you can find me on. I've been on Facebook for, you know, since a thousand years and you could find me there and. <laughs> Uh, you can find me, um, you know, my Tumblr is defunct and my blog spot is defunct, but you know, you can find me on, if you find me on Instagram, make sure you don't follow me on S. Stefanoster, a name I did not come up with, by the way, somebody at Cartoon Network saddled me with that name. Uh, don't follow me on S. Stefanoster, follow me on no, but Stephen, uh, S. Stefano, no, but S. Stefano, because for whatever reason, I lost the password to uh s to stefanoster and i just i can't get in i'm locked out i'm completely locked yeah. out i've written to mark zuckerberg several times and he hasn't written me back so uh, i have dick. no idea how but pe people keep following that 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 instagram uh feed and i'm like no i'm not there anymore <laughs> like people in the business keep like referencing that instagram and i'm like no 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 no, that's not me anymore you know so i put, I put some but i put some quality shit up on uh, Instagram uh, these days, so no, but Estes Stefano uh, on Instagram. That's that's a good place to find me. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And come, you know, everybody should come visit. Say hi. 
Absolutely. I like when people say hi to me too. I might <laughs> I might just snub you, but I, I like it when you say hi. So <laughs> and those uh those links will be in the description. So ladies and gentlemen, all you have to do is point, oh. click. Well, not point. You'll click right on it and it'll go straight to Steven's page and make sure you hit a follow, say hi. He might snub you. He might not. You might get lucky and you might say, hey, back to you, man. Well, like I, I said, Steven, this back. is, he might say hi. You never know. Uh, he never might know. tell you, he might tell you more questions he might ask about the Beatles if the Beatles were to show up. <laughs> um, I might. But, he might, man. You never know. It's 2023. Anything could happen. Well, like I said, man, he's been Steven. I've been Julian. This has been the What's In My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night.